noticed when I went to get my microphone in my, my office, Pastor Andrew's office is, is the first office. And I noticed on his desk, uh, someone had placed uh, some treats. Um, and then when I went into my office, there were no treats on my desk. <laughs> and I'm not sure if everyone's aware of the rules, but that can't happen. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Whatever you give Pastor Andrew, I have authority to eat. So it, it, doesn't, really, it doesn't really matter, I guess. Um, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I, uh, I just pulled a muscle in my back this week, uh, and so it's not a big deal at all. It's getting better already, but um, I'm going to be preaching for about three and a half hours this morning, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be standing that entire time. Um, and so last week, we, we started talking about the signs of the times. And uh, the Bible prophesies about specific events that are going to happen in the last days or the end times before Jesus comes back. Okay, and so uh, for the, from, the, from the time Jesus came the first time and died and rose again and ascended to heaven all the way until Jesus comes back again. How many of you know Jesus is coming back? Amen. Okay, so that time period is called the end times. It's called the last days, okay? And so you were born and you are living in the end times. And when Jesus comes back, okay, this time in history is going to end. Okay, life as we know it is going to be different. We're going to enter into a new time, a new chapter for earth and for our lives. It's called Christ's millennial reign. How does that sound? That's where Jesus will reign on earth as king. Okay? And so really this life, this, this 80 years or, or whatever time we have in this life, um, is really preparation for what's coming next. And the signs of the times help to reveal how close we are to Jesus' return. There are signs that help us to see where we're at in earth's history according to the Bible's timelines and prophecies, and these signs help to reveal what's coming next. And so when these prophecies were given in the Bible, many of the people that the prophecies were given to didn't understand the prophecy. In fact, Daniel himself, in Daniel chapter 12, he even said to the Lord, I don't understand what this means. Okay, and then God said to him in Daniel 12 verse 4, but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret, seal up the book, until the time of the end. And then he describes the time of the end. It's when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. 
Okay, and so the people who are going to understand these prophecies and see how these prophecies are going to unfold, it's going to be the people that live in a time where travel and knowledge increase. Okay, and so are we in that time where travel and knowledge have increased? So in, in the 20th century, we went from a horse and carriage to going to the moon. That was within one century, right? And now uh, space travel is available to the public if you have a kajillion dollars. <laughs> so travel has certainly increased, right? And what about knowledge? The invent, uh, there's an inventor named Fuller, and in 1982 he came up with the knowledge doubling curve. And until 1900, knowledge was doubling every century, until the year 1900, okay? Then, since 1945, right after World War II, knowledge in the world was doubling every 25 years. In 1982, knowledge was doubling every 13 months, okay? And now, with... AI technology, this is as of 2023, artificial intelligence technology, it's predicted that soon knowledge will be doubling every 12 hours. And you have to understand, like, you think, how, how, can that, how is that even possible? Okay, with that AI technology, that artificial intelligence technology, okay, that, that technology thinks a hundred thousand times faster than a human being. Okay? And, and so absolutely, we are in the time, we're clearly in the time of the end referenced in Daniel 9 where knowledge and travel has increased, okay? And now we're able to understand how these Bible prophecies and timelines will play out. I don't think we've got all the answers, okay? Uh, but we certainly can start to see now because of the knowledge in the world, um, how these Bible prophecies are gonna play out. So the signs of the times help us to see that. I'm just gonna drop my page when I'm done. So, so today we're gonna look at some of the signs of the times that are, that are paving the way for the rise of the Antichrist. Okay? Are we ready to pray? God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. And God, I just pray that your presence will be here in a way that will calm every fear, that will calm any anxiety, any uneasiness as we talk about the things that will unfold, the things that, that you tell us will happen in the Bible. And God, I just pray against, against worry. I pray against fear. I pray, God, for reassurance. I pray, God, for security. I pray for trust in this place, trust in you, in our loving Father, that you've got us. No matter what happens, you've got us. And so we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Okay, so we're going to spend most of our time in, in four portions of Scripture today, okay? One is Second Thessalonians, just for anyone who's taking notes today or wants to follow along in their Bibles, which I always encourage you to do. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 will be in there. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 13. Okay, we're going to be in uh, First and Second John. And then we're also going to be spending some time in the book of Daniel. So we're going to look at a lot of scripture today. Just so you know, I'm not making this stuff up. Because you might think that once you hear what I'm about to say. <laughs> okay, and so we're going to look at ten things that we can know about the Antichrist from Scripture. Ten things that we can know about the Antichrist from Scripture. Okay? Number one, the spirit of Antichrist has always been here. Okay, from the beginning of Jesus being here, the spirit of Antichrist has been here, and I'm going to say before that. 1 John 4, 2 and 3 says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So that's referring to the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world when this was written. Okay, that word anti means to remove and replace. It means to remove and replace. Satan from the beginning has wanted to remove God and replace God with himself. Is that true? Satan wants to sit on the throne. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Okay, so there is a spirit of Antichrist in this world that is meant to remove and replace God. It is anyone or anything that denies Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, or the risen Savior. Everybody catch that? Spirit of Antichrist is anyone or anything that denies Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and or the risen Savior. 1 John 2, 18 and 22 says, Dear children, this is the last hour. So, so when this was written, this was the last hour. <laughs> okay? And as, if you, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior, anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Do we see the spirit of antichrist today? Okay, we see it in world religions. Okay, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Scientology, the list goes on and on and on. All reject Jesus as the Christ. We see it in education. Removing biblical, biblical creation and replacing it with evolution. Removing the Lord's Prayer from schools but inviting cultural and, and de demonic spiritualism in the name of inclusion. Okay, we see it in government. Okay, marriage legislation that blatantly contradicts God's plan for marriage 
and family. Now we have, now we have legislation that prevents the church from helping people who have gender dysphoria. How many of you know that it's the truth of God's word that sets us free? How many of you know that when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed? Amen. Jesus is the only answer. We see this in government. I just said that. We see this in woke culture. Okay? Woke culture where where we've redefined words like tolerance, which is now pressured acceptance of cultural worldviews and intolerance towards anyone that disagrees with them. That's the redefined word of tolerance today. Okay, we see this in certain social justice movements and cultural worldviews like transgenderism that promote ideologies and philosophies that cause a hostility towards Christianity and Christians. Okay, an example of that would be the Black Lives Matter social justice movement in their outspoken support of Palestine and Hamas and their outspoken hostility against Israel. Okay, this, this spirit of Antichrist has, has also creeped into the church. Okay, where, where people have bought into woke Christianity or progressive Christianity that doesn't believe in hell, that doesn't believe in the atonement, that doesn't think the atonement is necessary because it doesn't believe that we are sinners that need a savior, but woke Christianity, progressive Christianity believes that we are enlightened more now than the authors of the Bible, so now we don't have to submit to the word of God, but we can um, deconstruct our faith, and now we can progress from the word of God into our own truth, our own gospel. It's very easy to see that woke Christianity is not Christianity. Okay, but that absolutely is the spirit of Antichrist, trying to remove God and replacing it with us. All of that is the spirit of Antichrist. The woke movement itself is a sign of the times that has been significant to a great number of Christians falling away from their faith. Second Thessalonians 2.3 says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. First Timothy 4 says, The Holy Spirit clearly says that in the last days some people will leave the faith. They'll follow spirits that will fool them. They'll believe things that demons will teach them. This is why this is why the church needs to talk about the signs of the times. This is why. So that we will not be deceived by the spirit of Antichrist. Okay. So number one is the spirit of Antichrist has, has all been here all along. Number two, this is what we know of the Antichrist, he is the man of lawlessness and the son of perdition. 
I'm going to read Second Thessalonians again, but the full verse. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin or the man of lawlessness, your, your translation might say, is revealed the son of perdition. And so that word perdition means eternal damnation. It means utter destruction. It's referring to someone that is unredeemable. Someone that is uh, living uh, but condemned to hell. Okay, this is the Antichrist. He's called that because the Antichrist is fully possessed by Satan. He is Satan personified. He is pure evil. He's the devil incarnate. He's Satan in the flesh, the embodiment of evil. Just like Jesus is God in the flesh, the embodiment of holiness. So the Antichrist is a counterfeit Jesus. This is the Antichrist. He is a counterfeit Jesus. Okay, he's the exact opposite of Jesus in every way. Jesus humbled himself. The Antichrist is going to exalt himself. Jesus is the Holy One. The Antichrist is the lawless one. Jesus came to save. The Antichrist has come to destroy. Jesus was rejected by Israel and the world. The Antichrist will be embraced by Israel and the world. We're going to talk about that. Number three, he will be the answer for a world in crisis. Revelation 13 says, When I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, it had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns. Okay, and so the the horns and the crowns, that represents the ten kingdoms, the ten nations that are going to make up the Antichrist army. We've talked about those nations in Ezekiel 38. How many of you remember that? Okay. Um, And so it says he will rise out of the sea. So the sea in prophecy often means chaos. He rises out, he rises in the midst of the storm when the world is falling apart politically and economically in every way. And he's going to appear to be the knight in shining armor to save the day. Here's a quote from John Phillips. He said, uh, the world will go delirious with delight at his manifestation. He will be the seeming answer to all its needs. He'll be handsome and charming, a brilliant conversationalist in a score of tongues. He will be the idol of all mankind. He will have a dynamic and charismatic personality. People will be attracted to him, drawn to him. He's going to have celebrity status like no one else has ever had, okay? He's going to be the heroic character, and according to Daniel 7, 8 and 20, and I don't have this scripture, but he's going to be a gifted communicator. People will be captivated when he talks. Daniel 8, 23 says he will understand sinister schemes, okay, referring to his seeming ability to solve threatening and unsolvable problems. We're going to talk about a couple of those. He'll have supernatural solutions to global problems. Okay, so the Antichrist might have the solution, the perfect answer to the next global pandemic. 
Okay? But his power is not his own. Number four, he will have the power and authority of Satan. So Revelation chapter 13, 2 and 4 says, And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and authority. The dragon is Satan. The beast is the Antichrist. I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshiped the dragon for giving the beast such power. And they also worship the beast. Who is as great as the beast, they exclaim. Who is able to fight against him? This is what the world will be declaring when, when the Antichrist exhibits his power given to him from Satan. Second Thessalonians 2.9 says, The man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and miracles. Okay, so because of the power that Satan will give him. He's going to be healed from an injury or a wound that should, have killed, that should have killed him. Okay, maybe it's even going to appear that he rose again from the dead, which would make sense because he's the counterfeit Jesus, except he will not have risen again from the dead because Satan does not have resurrection power. That's reserved for our God. Amen? Amen? And so this is going to cause him, though, to gain more favor with the world. Okay, number five, he will rule the world. He will rule the world. Okay, Revelation 13, 7 says, And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them, and he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. So the Antichrist will be the leader of a one-world government. Remember, Satan is always trying to sit where only God should be sitting. Okay? Do you remember when, when God made the nations and the languages? It's when the world was trying to have a one-world government to be God, for, uh, of the, to be their own God. Right? And so since that time, Satan has been trying to establish a one-world government because he wants to rule the world. The problem with that is that Jesus is the only one qualified to rule the whole world. And unless Jesus is the king, I'm not interested in a one-world government. And you know, one of the signs of the times that really opened the door to a one-world government was COVID-19, okay? And so number one, it seriously challenged our political systems. Now you guys might not realize this, but, but on, on any given day, people are not usually thrilled with the government. Okay? I, and that's probably news for you, but, but COVID-19 caused so much division and strife against uh, our political structure, right? Some of the world's biggest influencers, such as the, the Bill Gates Foundation, were, are, are still calling for global cooperation and partnership for the next pandemic. And, and so the call, this is the rationale behind that call, the rationale is, is that a global crisis 
needs parallel global solutions with every nation on the same page. Okay, that will only happen through a one world government. Okay, two, we also learned through COVID-19 that fear can be used to gain control of people. We learned that lesson through COVID, we saw it, right? The widespread fear from media during COVID-19, whether it's intentional or not, caused many people to give up their rights and their freedoms for protection, safety, and provision. Okay, so through fear, we saw it's very possible for people to get on board quickly with a one world global government if it means they're gonna have protection, safety, and provision. This is why our protection and our provision needs to be uh, needs to come from Jehovah Jireh and no other source. Amen. And three, COVID-19 drastically changed the way our world functioned. Okay, and it made some changes that have still not changed back. Okay, some things that have been changed, I think, probably forever. But a crisis on that scale it reorders and it restructures society. And so now when a worse pandemic comes, a worse global crisis comes, now there's protocols that are already in place, right? To help gain control, okay? And so I think definitely that was a sign of the times. So he will rule the world, and this means the Antichrist will also uh, have a one world economy. Revelation 13 says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Okay, so the Antichrist will have an economic system in place that only those who have what's called the mark of the beast will be able to participate in, in the economy, buying and selling, okay? Now, we know that we already live in, in a, a pretty much a cashless society, right? 90% of, actually over 90% of, of, of uh, Canada is, is cashless on their consumer transactions. We already have microchip technology on our, our bank cards, right? We're able to buy and sell things with bank cards. They've, they've got our bank information. We also have biometric identification technology. I've got it on my phone. I just want to turn my phone on. It just, it has a thing where it has facial recognition. Do you guys have that on your phone, right? So that's, that's biometrics, right? That's that identification technology. So. So we've coded cards, we've, we've coded phones, okay? The next step would be to encode every person, right? This would be the mark of the beast, implanting that technology in people. I'm sure that technology already exists, okay? And I, and I, I believe, this is my opinion, I believe AI technology is going to, um, is going to revolutionize this world and I think AI technology is gonna be a big part of that, okay? So the Antichrist is gonna be able to control people through the mark 
through technology, but God warns us not to receive the mark of the beast. God warns us about this. Okay, in Revelation 14, then the third angel followed them, shouting, anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured out, it has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath. And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. They'll have no relief day or night, for they have worshiped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. Now, um, I'm not saying one thing or another about vaccines, but, but we felt the pressure of vaccines, right? And so whatever side, you know, whatever camp you're in on vaccines doesn't matter, but the point is, is that there was pressure. There was pressure from government, but how many of you felt pressure from public? Okay. And, and some people lost their jobs because of it, okay? So, so I'm going to guess that the pressure to receive the mark is going to be much greater, with much greater persecution than someone just saying you're selfish or something like that, okay? Now, now we might not be here for that, okay? How many of you believe in the rapture? Okay. Um, I'm not going to talk about, about that too much today. We, we, but, so we might not be here for that, but we need to know what's coming, and we need to be ready to trust God. We need to be ready to trust God, because we really, we really don't know. We really don't know, okay, when we're going to be with Jesus. So we need to be ready to trust God. Okay, number six. The Antichrist will establish a false peace with Israel. So Daniel chapter 9 and 27 says, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. This covenant is a peace treaty, is a peace treaty for seven years with Israel. That's what this covenant is. Okay, so the Antichrist is going to establish a seven-year peace treaty with Israel. And so this is one of those impossible, unsolvable problems that the Antichrist will seemingly solve. He is going to seemingly have peace in the Middle East. Okay? And, and he is going to establish peace with Israel and Palestine and all of the Muslim neighbors surrounding Israel. Now, this is my personal opinion, okay, the Bible doesn't say this, but I believe, I believe that that peace is going to happen through the rebuilding of the Jewish temple, okay? So the Antichrist is going to make a way for Israel to rebuild the Jewish temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, giving uh, Jewish people freedom to worship and observe their feasts according to their laws and traditions, and that it's going to somehow be okay with the Muslims. 
Okay, this is going to give the Antichrist substantial favor and trust from the people of Israel. Okay, so in my opinion, that event of, of having the, the Jewish temple rebuilt, to me that is the biggest thing that's going to establish trust between Israel and the Antichrist. Okay, because that is such an important thing for Israel. It's such an important thing. See, as believers in Jesus, we don't have, we don't have a, a temple that we all worship at because, because um, see, see, once you find your way to Jesus, um, you, don't, you don't need that because, because now we're the temple. It's like, it's like once you get to your destination, you don't really need the, the map anymore. Once you're at the destination, you don't need the map. So, so how many of you have got to Jesus? You found Jesus. How many of you have done that? Okay, so you don't really need the, the temple and the sacrifice and, and all those things anymore because you've got to Jesus, right? The sacrifices and the temple, that was a way to get to Jesus. Now we've got to Jesus, and now we're the temple. We house the Holy Spirit. We house the Spirit of God inside of us, so we don't, we don't need that anymore. But that is a very important part of Judaism and, and Israel. Very important to them. Okay. And so when the Antichrist uh, establishes peace with Israel, that's when the seven-year tribulation has begun. That's where the seven-year tribulation has begun. So the first three and a half years, there's going to be peace in Israel until what the Bible calls the abomination that causes desolation that causes misery that causes anguish okay and so that brings us to number seven he will declare himself god daniel 9 27 he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven in the middle of the seven he will put an end to sacrifice and offering and at the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Revelation 13, five and six, then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. How long's 42 months? It's three and a half years. That's really good math. That was incredible. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling. That is, those who dwell in heaven. So at that time, the Antichrist will set up his throne <clears throat> in the Jewish temple. This is how we know that the, the Jewish temple will be rebuilt. Because the Antichrist is going to stand in the Jewish temple and he is going to declare himself God. That's the blasphemy against God. He's going to say, I'm God. I'm the one you've been waiting for. Right? And everyone in the world needs to worship me. That's the abomination. And then that abomination causes desolation, causes misery, causes anguish for Israel. Okay, and that brings us to number eight. He will attempt to destroy all the Jews. When the Antichrist declares himself God, he's going to then turn on Israel. 
Matthew 24, 15 to 22 says, so when you see standing in the holy place, okay, that's the rebuilt Jewish temple, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the house top go down to take anything out from the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your, your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, the sake of God's people, those days will be shortened. So this is gonna mark the beginning of the three and a half years, 42 months of intense suffering for Israel and anyone who would oppose the Antichrist. And please understand, this will be the worst persecution of any people in the history of the world. And the despicable and cowardly things that Hamas did to women and children on October 7th will be nothing compared to what's going to happen to Israel. It's going to be unimaginable. Revelation 13, 7, and the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. Look at Ezekiel 38, going past uh, the, the coalition nations. It says in verse 10, this is what the sovereign Lord says. On that day, thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme. You will say, and this is God speaking about the Antichrist, I will invite a land, I will invade a land of unwalled villages. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, Gog is another name for Antichrist. This is what the sovereign Lord says, in that day when my people, Israel, are living in safety, will you not take notice of it? You will come from your place in the far north, you and your many nations with you, all of them riding on horses, a great horde, a mighty army. You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land in days to come. Gog, the Antichrist, I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Right? So Israel's defenses are going to be down because of this deception of peace for the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation. And this scripture shows us that the Antichrist and his massive army, most likely that Islamic coalition that will include Turkey, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, Libya, Egypt, Afghanistan, all those nations uh, talked about in Ezekiel 38 are going to attack Israel. Now this is a really important scripture here in 2 Thessalonians. I, I think this is very uh, significant. In 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 6 it says, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. See, this scripture helps us to understand that there's something right now in the world 
that is restraining the Antichrist from being revealed and attacking and destroying Israel. Something is restraining that from happening, okay? Many people believe that this restrainer is the Holy Spirit working through the church. Many people believe that's what the restrainer is. And once the church is raptured and the Holy Spirit leaves, then the Antichrist will be able to wreak havoc on Israel and carry out Satan's plans. This is, this is one of the things that people believe. And so once hundreds of millions of Christians, hundreds of millions of temples who house the Holy Spirit and the power of God, once hundreds of millions of those are gone, then the Antichrist will be able to fulfill his purpose. So again, it's possible, it's possible that the church, that Christians, we won't be here for that three and a half years of desolation. It's possible, that three and a half years of misery and anguish. I'm not gonna say that's certain because I don't know. But I believe that we need to be ready for that in case we are. Is that fair? We need to be ready for that in case we are. And when I say be ready, I mean ready to trust the Lord. Ready to trust the Lord. Number nine, he will believe he is greater than God. Daniel 8 and 25 talks about how he will exalt himself in his heart. He's going to be so full of himself that he's even going to rise against the prince of princes. That word prince is capital P. Who's that talking about? Jesus. He is going to be, he is going to be uh, believe that he's so great, he's going to be so delusional in his estimation of himself, the Antichrist, that he thinks he's going to be able to take on Jesus and defeat Jesus, the Christ, the real anointed one. He will be mistaken. He will be grossly mistaken. Number 10, the Antichrist will be defeated. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 8, then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed and the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and bring him to an end by the appearance of his coming. Let's understand this. This man that is filled with Satan's power and authority will be killed with one breath from the mouth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus defeats the Antichrist easier than we kill a maple bug under our foot. Demon bugs. Kill one on the way out, would you? Remember, remember. Okay, this is a counterfeit enemy. 
This is a counterfeit enemy. This is a man. See, sometimes when we talk about the Antichrist, when we talk about end times, we start to get anxious. We start to get worried, right? We start to maybe even feel fear. We need to remember, this is a man that is filled with the power of a defeated enemy. Look what God says regarding the spirit of Antichrist or Antichrist power. Look what he says, 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people. Those people, he's talking about anyone with a spirit of Antichrist, including the Antichrist. (laughs) Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. See, as believers in Jesus, we never have to fear the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist or what happens in end times because we belong to God and greater in you, greater in you is anything in this world. We have complete victory in Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God lives in us. That means you have more power living in you as believers in Jesus than the Antichrist has living in him. You have more power. And you also need to remember this. You know, when I was a kid, I shouldn't, that's a lie. I shouldn't lie, probably. I, whenever winter comes, I start to get so excited because that means Christmas is coming. When, when the first snow comes, I'm not, you know, I might, you know, talk about it, but when the first snow comes, that makes me excited. I don't mind shoveling until Christmas. <laughs> because that means that Christmas is coming. Listen, the darker this world gets means the closer to Jesus' return. I can't wait to be with Jesus. I can't wait to be with the one who loves me the most. I can't wait. And so, yes, this is not pleasant, the things that are coming. But the darker it gets, the closer it is that we get to be with Jesus. Wow. Wow. This is our response. Sometimes we go, how do, how do we respond to this type of message? How do we make sure, you know, now, now I'm worried about being deceived by the Antichrist. Now I'm, you know, how do we respond? You know, how do I make sure I'm not, how do we make sure we don't miss the signs of the times? How do we make sure? What do we do with this message? I think God tells us exactly what to do after he warns us of the Antichrist in 1 John chapter 2. So he warns us of the Antichrist. He warns us of the spirit of Antichrist in John chapter 2. And then he says this in verse 26 to 27. 
I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you've received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you know you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So, just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. What do we do? Remain in fellowship with Christ. Focus on your relationship with Jesus. That's what we do during the end times. That's what we do. We focus on Jesus. Make sure that you're in right relationship with Jesus. That's the most important thing that we can do in these end times. And you know what? If you are here today and you are a first-time visitor or maybe this is one of your first times to church, what a Sunday for you to come. <laughs> I apologize for that. But let's not, let's not, you know, this is where you start. You don't start with the Antichrist. You start right here. Fellowship with Jesus, relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So what I'd like to do today is I'd like to um, have our our worship team come. We're we're going to sing another song. I'd like to have our prayer team also come to the front. If you have a need this morning, I'm going to invite you to come. The prayer team is going to be happy to pray with you. Whatever your need is, it doesn't matter. There's absolutely no judgment in this place. Is that right? So whatever you need prayer for, we, we need to be praying for each other. And, and so that's good. If you come for prayer, that's healthy. That's what you should be doing. But if you're here today, if you're here today, and you're not sure, you're not sure if you are in fellowship with Jesus. You're not sure if you're in relationship with Jesus. I just want you to come forward. Tracy, Stacy, Sean, Brenda, Gary, Pastor Abe. Um, these people will be so happy to lead you into a relationship, into fellowship with Jesus. And so if you're here today and you're just not sure, you know, you're just not, you're just not sure, but you kind of feel like there's a pull there. I think that's the Holy Spirit just pulling you, saying, yes, you need to come into relationship with Jesus today. So if you'd like to do that, you can also come to the front and the prayer team will lead you in becoming uh, into fellowship and relationship with the Lord.